All right. New Creation Church. Uh, I'm not sure if this is working. Um, we're just trying to get this figured out. We were trying to do it on my computer and uh, didn't seem like it was doing it. Um, but it's saying I'm live. Angela, you want to pull up Facebook on your uh, your computer to see if I'm actually live here? So do slow ones. So I don't know which one we are, but we're on it. Right, honey. Can you come type in your password? All right. I'm watching. Uh, yeah, it looks like we're live. Um, I don't see anybody watching us yet, but I am going to. Uh, I'm gonna put my phone on the um, podium, and we'll we'll get started. So, hope everyone can start to trickle in and join us. Again, sorry for the uh, slow start here. We're just trying to figure out technology, and uh, couldn't get my computer to work. So, Carl, will give a welcome and a few announcements in a minute. Yeah, he's fixing his hair. Yep, gotta fix my hair. <laughs> all righty. Um, all right, guys. Good morning. New Creation Church. <laughs> uh, this seems like a brave new world, actually, in my mind. Uh, on Friday, I did uh, my first telemedicine uh, visit, so uh, uh, we survived. Uh, the patient did, but the, the doctor was the, really the main thing to survive, and we all survived. So it, it's good to be here. Uh, we're in a time where we're uh, social distancing from one another. That doesn't mean that we don't care about each other and that we don't pray for each other and that we don't encourage each other. So uh, that means you can still call, you can still text. Uh, I won't be texting you, but some of you can. And uh, you can still, um, you know, uh, maybe you can even take a walk outside, not inside, don't ride in your cars together, but take a walk outside, maintain your social distance and Get a little exercise while you do and, and have, a, have a prayer walk. So those are kind of some of the things, you know, in the midst of all of this, we, we want to be uh, encouraging to each other and uh, know that you can uh, contact leadership if, um, uh, if uh, you have any needs. Uh, this, um, this week was supposed to be community uh, group week, but that's not going to be happening uh, uh, but during that time, just be sure that we're praying for each other and uh, lifting each other up. So I have just um, just a, a brief thing, uh, a brief word of scripture that I read yesterday. Karen and I were reading, and I thought this is really a a scripture for for right now, uh, in the midst of uh, I think there's a lot of you know fear uh, out there. There's a lot of unknowns. And yet, uh, God is in control of all things, and we're, we're thankful for that. So, I'm just going to read, this is from uh, 2 Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and it says, <clears throat> Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us, with, uh, comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So we can be comforting each other and um, 
uh, and because we we are uh, children of the King, and uh, He is our our great Comforter. So let's just have a word of word of prayer here, dear Lord. We just come to you, and we do thank you that you are in control of all things, that you love us, that you care for us. Lord, I even thank you, uh, and this is an amazing thing for me to thank you for technology that we can actually uh, communicate with each other uh, during this during this time. And I ask that you would be with uh, each of our, uh, of our people at New Creation, Lord, that you would encourage them this week, strengthen them. I pray for uh, just uh, give us wisdom and grace to know how to respond to uh, each other and to the needs around us. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, keep each person safe and healthy, if that's a part of your will and your plan. Uh, we look forward to a, a new heaven and a new earth where uh, there won't be any more disease, there won't be any more uh, death and dying because you have uh, had victory over death and you have swallowed that up. Uh, Lord, we, we know that, as it says, where, O oh, death, is your sting, where, O oh, death, is your victory, it has been swallowed up by the blood of Christ, and we thank you for that. I just ask now that you would be with uh, Brian as he brings your message. Strengthen him. Uh, give him the words to speak. Uh, give him clarity of thought. It's kind of hard to, you know, sometimes to, to, to speak in front of a, a telephone. <laughs> rather than a, a live audience. And so I just pray that you just calm his heart now and just uh, help him to communicate effectively. And Lord, I just um, uh, uh, ask that you would, uh, uh, you know, this is a large topic to, to pull together. Lord, I just pray that uh, you would just, with your Holy Spirit, just uh, lift him up now. We thank you for this day. Help us to uh, worship you and honor it, honor you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Thanks, Carl. You're welcome. Katie, we saw that you were watching. Good to have you, Katie. Oh, Sarah's there. Kim's there. I'd imagine Rich is, Richard's probably there with Kim. So, great to see you all. I'll do my best to remember to look at you. I don't, I don't always remember very well. But uh, yeah, so we'll get going here. Um, yep, recorder's going, so Uncle Mal will get to listen. Definitely not as good as um, seeing you all face to face, but uh, I guess this works. So yeah, where we've been at New Creation Church, we've had... Um, a lot of series we've gone through as I think about it. Had uh, started with Mark, then after Mark, we did Ephesians. After Ephesians, we did Pentateuch, Genesis through Deuteronomy. After that, we did Philippians, and next is Romans. And right now, we are in a little mini topical series before we start Romans and Easter. So that's what we're. That's what we're doing now, and in this mini topical series, just to remind everybody, because it's been a little while since we've we've been here, you know. Um, so last sermon, Joel did "Who is God?" the Trinity, and my topic is not any smaller. Um, what is the Bible? Um, what is the Bible? That's what we're doing, and uh, in the next couple weeks. Um, we'll, we'll do some other topics as well, and then we'll 
at Easter, and then we'll launch into the book of Romans. So we'll begin with prayer, and then we'll jump into our topic on what is the Bible. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we can listen to your word. The Bible is a book unlike any other book. It is... It's everything I would want it to be and more. I mean, it confuses me. It encourages me. It's, it's, it is so strange and yet so perfect. It is, it is your word to us and we need it. And I just ask that this morning our hearts would love it again. Our hearts would love it again. So put that into our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, all right, so I wonder, how would you explain the Bible? <laughs> if you're walking down the street and somebody comes up to you and they say, you know what? What's the Bible? What would your answer be? There's a lot of ways you could answer that. So you're just strolling down the street, someone says, hey, what's the Bible? Um, I just wonder, take a moment, how would you answer that? Really think about it. Yeah. Oh, I see Missy's joined us. Great to have you, Missy. Um, there's a lot of ways you could answer it, and, and there's a lot of correct ways you could say it. So I was thinking about it. You could answer that question by its author. What is the Bible? It's, it's God's Word. That's answering it by its author. You could answer it by its authority. It's the standard that all people should live by. That's true, right? You could answer it by its popularity. Um, despite what the New York Times says, the Bible is actually the number one bestseller by far every single year. Every single year. It's the only number one time. It's the only number one bestseller ever. <laughs> you know? um, it's important. So you could say, what's the Bible, Brian? I say, it's the most important book in history. It's shaped culture more than any other book. To understand the world requires an understanding of the Bible to some degree. That's true. You could say that. You could say, it's the most important book of my life. If you're a Christian, you should be able to say that. Um, you could answer it as if you were like a sociologist. You could say, it's one of the holy books in the world, which is true. It's regarded as a holy book in the world. And so these are all ways you could describe the Bible, right? And so you're probably wondering, well, how am I going to describe the Bible if it's not any of those? And I'm not going to focus on any of those. Yes, it's God's word. Yes, it's popular. Yes, it's important. But today, what I want to focus on is I want to explain the Bible by explaining its message. What is its message? You know, you could talk about... Um, some famous kid's story, I don't know. I, I like Ricky Ticky Tavy by Rudyard Kipling. And you could say, Brian, what's Ricky Ticky Tavy by Rudyard Kipling about? And I could say, oh, it's a book, it's a book by Rudyard Kipling. But that doesn't really tell you anything about the book. You know, it's a book about a mongoose defeating cobras to save a family. And it's why mongoose is my favorite animal in the world, because it's just the coolest story ever, you know? So we're gonna focus on the message. And I'm gonna try, try, if I fail, I'm sorry, <laughs> try to do this as simply as possible. What is the Bible? What is the message of the Bible? Because <laughs> I've got a thousand or so pages to wrap up in one sentence. So 
Here's, here's my tip. The message of the Bible is that God intends to make the earth his temple to be with people. God intends, or God wants, to make the earth his temple to be with people. You could say it another way. You could say the message of the Bible is that God wants to make the earth his home to be with people. That's the simplest I can put it. Um, simplest I can put it, okay? If you were to think, we'll, we'll unpack that for the rest of the sermon, you know, so just, just wait one second. But if you were to think, how would you arrive at the message of a book? What would you do to arrive at the message of any book? Reread it. <laughs> well, one, you read it, right? But there's certain points that you would want to focus on. If you say the message of the book is such and such, and that is nowhere in the introduction of the book, that's probably not the message of the book. If you say the, the message of the book is X, Y, and Z, and it's nowhere in the conclusion of the book, that's probably not the message of the book. The intro and the conclusion are almost certainly going to have the message of the book, won't they? That's what an intro and a conclusion do. And you would figure that the most important thing besides the intro and the conclusion is the climax, which comes somewhere normally around the, the middle-ish area. And that is what allows the end and the beginning to connect. That's just, way, that's just the way books work, just on a literary level. And the Bible, don't know if you ever thought about this, but to state the obvious, it's a book. It's a book. It's got an introduction. It's got a conclusion. It's got a climax. And so if you were to try to figure out what the message of the Bible is, what you would need to do is you, whatever message you say the Bible is communicating, it better be in the intro, the conclusion, and the climax. It's just, that's just the way books work. And so I think the message of the Bible is that God intends to make the earth a temple so he can be with us. He wants to be with us. Okay? So we'll look at the intro, we'll look at the conclusion, and then we'll look at the middle. And we'll see at the beginning, at the end, and in the middle, we'll see a temple in each spot. And we'll see God's longing in his heart to be with us in each spot. That's what that's what we'll do. So three points. Temple number one, temple number two, temple number three, all right? So, so creative, huh? Um, that's what we're going to do. Before we go any farther, I want to tell you, just try to explain, what is a temple? You got to have this figured out. You're like, this is the longest introduction ever. Yeah, I know. Sorry. It's an unusual sermon. So what is a temple? Um, Here's my best attempt, and I didn't come up with this, but I find it so helpful. So hopefully the internet world can see that. A temple is where heaven and earth meet. It's where heaven and earth meet, isn't it? That's what a temple is. If you had a Venn diagram like I'm holding up right now, you have heaven on one side, earth on the other, and where heaven and earth touch, where God's home and man's home come together, you've got a temple. Basically, a temple is where God and man can be together. 
think about it. If you were around two, three thousand years ago and you wanted to go meet your God, where would you go to meet your God? You would go to the local temple because that's where heaven touches earth. That's what a temple is. So you can think about it on like this. You have like cats. I'm sorry. You have like a lion over here, a tiger over here, and in the middle you've got cat, right? You have a Great Dane over here and a Rottweiler over here, and in the middle you got dog. That's what they have in common. That's where they overlap. You got God's home, heaven, man's home, human's home, earth, humanity's home, earth. And in the middle, you got a temple. That's what you got. God wants to make the whole earth his home. He wants to make the whole earth his temple. Another way to say it, he wants to make heaven and earth one. He wants to make heaven and earth one. Okay? So that's what we're, that's what we're doing here. All right? And we're going to look at the three temples. Temple one, temple two, temple three. That's what we're going to do. All right? So I wonder, you're thinking, all right, I said intro, I said conclusion, I said the climax in the middle. So is there a temple in the introduction? You better believe there is. Remember, don't think of building. If you're thinking of building, then you weren't listening to what I just said. All right? You need to listen closer. <laughs> if you're thinking of building, you're, you're way off base. Think God and man being together. So temple number one. It's the Garden of Eden. It's the Garden of Eden, isn't it? Think about it. Adam and Eve are there in the garden. And who's with them? God. That's what is going on there. God makes Adam out of the ground. God breathes the breath of life into Adam. It's like, hey, Adam. Hey, God. Hey, Adam. You see that tree? Yeah. Don't eat that tree, Adam. Okay, God. You see all these other trees? Yeah, you can eat those. Okay, thanks, God. Like, they're together. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. After they'd eaten of the fruit they weren't supposed to, said, I can do what I want. I don't need you, God. Thank you, but later I'm going to go with this way of life and reject you. What do we get in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8? And they heard the sound of Yahweh God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Isn't that amazing? It's a temple. It's God's home. He's just going out for a stroll. Whatever that means. And it's Adam and Eve's home. And they're just, Adam's hiding, Eve's hiding, God's strolling, and they know they're in trouble. It's like your kid. Like, did you eat from the cookie jar? No, I didn't eat from the cookie jar. Well, then why is there chocolate on your face? Now, I don't know why there's chocolate on my face, but I didn't eat from the cookie jar. You know, it's one of those situations. Like, who told you you're naked? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Why are you hiding? It's the woman, you know? It's a temple. They're there together. The garden was a place on earth that showed you what heaven is like. Sinless. Life-giving filled with love and joy and peace. And it all came crashing down because of sin. There's some things you want in your home. And there's some things you will not tolerate in your home. There's, no matter who you are, you've got a standard somewhere. And there's some things you will not tolerate in your house. 
God will not tolerate sin and rebellion and evil in his house because he is good. He is so good that he abhors that. It is not allowed in his presence. And so sin enters the garden. The temple now has sin in it, and God says, I'm moving neighborhoods. I'm leaving. I can't stay here any longer. I'm too holy. I'm too pure. I cannot be here. And he leaves. We no longer have access to God because we are sinners. We are cut off from his presence. We are barred from the temple. We are separated. And I want you to take a moment to think about what caused us to be separated from God. We just casually in the Christian world say it's sin. Sin is bad. It's no good. But there's lots of ways the Bible talks about sin. Okay? This is critical for this morning's message. The Bible will say sin is like a sheep going the wrong direction. Right? Sin is going the wrong way. The Bible will say sin is like marital unfaithfulness. It'll call it cheating on God. The Bible will say sin is like a citizen committing treason against his or her king. These are all pictures of what sin is like. But today I want to focus on one. The Bible says sin is like disease and sickness. It's not hard to figure out why. You watch where sin goes and what follows. Pain, destruction, sadness, death, and it just goes from one person to the next, ruining everything it touches. Let me read Isaiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, just so you can hear it. Don't take my word for it. The Bible speaks for itself. Isaiah 1, 4 through 6. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken Yahweh. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. They're, they're estranged from God. They're cut off from God. Verse 5, chapter 1 of Isaiah. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? There's one image, rebelling against the king. But Listen to this. The whole head is sick, and the heart is faint. Your head is sick. You got heart disease. From sole of the foot even to head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound or softened with oil. This is the picture that Isaiah and other prophets give. Sin is like a disease. And it spreads from person to person, crushing and killing everything it touches. Think about it. What about anger? What does anger do? Flares up. And it brings violence and pain. What does laziness do? Laziness says, I don't love you enough to help, so I'm going to sit here and do nothing and make you break your back. It actually, it's hurting people. Laziness is actually hurting people. Unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness says, I don't honor my commitment to you enough to care about you. Cheating. 
cheating on a school test. It actually hurts people. I personally lost out on scholarships I would have gotten because other people cheated. And I had to pick up a second job during college to straighten that out. Like It brings pain and suffering and anguish. Sin is like a disease. And it's spreading all throughout the world. And God's world has been contaminated. He made a garden. Recap. He made a garden. It was a perfect picture on earth of what heaven is like. And God's saying, boy, I wish the whole world were like this. A temple is like an oasis in the middle of a desert. It's what we wish the whole thing could be like. If only God's presence felt at home everywhere. But sin and death is just spreading everywhere, bringing pain and crushing people. Okay, temple number one. There it is. Beginning of the Bible. Clearly has a temple, clearly shows God wanting to be with people, and it all goes terrible because of the sickness of sin spreading throughout the world. And it's just not fit for God to be there. He will not tolerate that. Temple number two. We're going to go to the conclusion. Revelation chapter 21 through 22. This makes sense, right? You're going to preach a sermon on the Bible? Well, you, you got to go from beginning to end, don't you? I mean, that's just what you have to do. You're going to preach a whole sermon on the Bible. That's what we're trying to do. Temple number two. Temple number two. You get to Revelation chapter 21 and 22, and what do you find? You find everything at the end of the Bible that was there at the beginning of the Bible. There's a tree of life that just pops up again. Like, where's the tree of life there in chapter 22? Because we're, we're the end of the Bible, we're, we're being with God again. This is what we lost, but we're going to be with God again. Revelation chapter 21 verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. Did you catch it? God's dwelling place, what's that? Heaven is now among the people. Heaven has come to earth, and all of God's people will be there with him. The Bible begins with us being with God, we lost it through the sickness of sin, and it ends with us being with God. Continuing in verse 3, They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old things have passed away. Verse 6, It is done. I am the Alpha. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed verse 5. And then the one seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I'm making a new world that has none of this sickness because I'm going to be in this world with my people forever and nothing will ever ruin it. Amen. That's what's going on here at the end. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5. You see that we will be with God again in a personal, intimate way. Revelation 22, 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, like the serpent, from Genesis 3, 
But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Now hear this. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. That means we will belong to him. It's like his stamp is on us. And night will be no more, and they and they will need light of lamp or sun. They will no, no longer need the, the lamp of the sun, for the Lord the God will be their light, they will reign forever and ever. All right. So we got a temple in the beginning. That's a little picture of the whole world. And in this temple, sin and sickness and death enter it. And so since it's a picture of the way the world should be, it's a picture of heaven and earth together, the way the world should be. Since it's a picture of the way the world should be, what happens to the whole world? The whole world gets sick because the little temple got sick. And then you go to the end of the story, and now everything's hunky-dory. Everything's awesome. We're with God again. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no pain. There's no sin. There's no devil. So here's the question. How do we get from point A to point C? Point B, right? We skipped something. We skipped something. We skipped the middle. How do we get from one temple at the beginning, God wanting to be with us, God making a home on earth, to the last temple, God being with us, God making a home with us, God making all things new. How do we get from one temple to the other? We're skipping a lot, because we're just doing the beginning, ending, and climax. But the third, the, the third temple we're going to look at is the key. And this is amazing. This, this is incredible. Just love Jesus all the more because of how awesome he is. Jesus gets us from point A to point C. Jesus reconnects us to God. Jesus brings heaven to earth. He makes God's home our home. He makes our home God's home. He fixes everything. Because he is a temple. Like, Jesus is a temple? What? Point three, third temple, Jesus. Jesus is a temple. Um, I didn't come up with this. Jesus did, actually. <laughs> Flips the tables, drives out the money changers, gets rid of the animals. How dare you shut the temple down? Jesus, who gives you this authority? We might just kill you. And Jesus says, try it. Tear down this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it, I'll raise it up again. John 2.19. John 2.19. Tear down this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it back, raise it back up again. Jesus calls himself a temple. Which means we got to slow down and just figure out what does that mean? Based on everything else we've said, what, what does that mean? Jesus is a temple. Well, here's, here's a helpful little graph I can show you. And it's not a perfect graph. Let me show you. On one side, you got Jesus, fully God. He's God, right? We believe that, right? On the other side, we got Jesus, fully man. We believe that, right? Yep. He's, he's God. He's man. So what do you get when God and man come together? When God's space and man's space come together, 
What do you get? A temple. What do you have in the body of Jesus? In Jesus' body, Colossians 2.9, you have all the fullness of deity dwells bodily. In one body, you have all of God, that is God, and all of man, that is man. The only problem with that graphic is it's overlapping. In Jesus, it's actually completely on top of itself. There's no difference between his godness and his manness. There's nothing hanging off on the side. He's 100% God, 100% man, which makes him 100% temple. He is God's message to the world that I want to be with you, people. I want your home to be my home. I want my home to be your home. I want heaven and earth to be one. I want to be with you. Okay, first idea. Second idea that'll break your brain, all right? Second idea. The temple, we said, was heaven on earth. Another way to say it is it's what the earth should be like, right? It's the oasis in the desert. It's like, oh, we wish it were all like this. Okay? Jesus being the temple shows us what earth should be like. Catch that? Does that make sense? A temple is heaven on earth. It's when earth is following the way of heaven. Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is saying, I want the whole earth to be a temple. I want all the earth to follow the will of God. If only the earth was the way it was, what will make the earth the way it is? If God's will in heaven is done on earth. That's what a temple is. It's a little place where the will of heaven is done on earth. It's a place where earth is as it should be. Jesus is showing us what the earth should be like. He is a temple. So what should the earth be like? Well, one, it should always obey. <laughs> Doesn't Jesus always obey God? Doesn't that sound like heaven come to earth? The authority of God on earth would mean always obeying, right? Unlike Adam. John 5, 19, Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father do. I only obey. Okay, what else would heaven on earth look like? Well, it would look like getting rid of sickness and disease and demons, right? What does Jesus do everywhere that he goes on earth? Everywhere Jesus goes on earth, he is healing the sick. He is taking away demon oppression. Jesus is showing us what earth will look like when heaven comes down. What about forgiveness of sin? This is amazing. Jesus doesn't just get rid of physical sickness. He gets rid of spiritual sickness and spiritual disease called sin, right? So Jesus is teaching. This is an awesome story. Jesus is teaching, and this is Matthew chapter 9, and it's packed house, 
and there's a problem with the packed house. You can't get in. <laughs> and so it's the packed house. Nobody could get in, but there's a paralyzed guy down the road and he can't fit inside. So his buddies are like, I got, I got great idea, paralyzed dude. Let's go and put you on a bed. He's like, okay, that sounds good. And let's go drag you up on a ceiling. He's probably like, uh, I don't like where this is going. <laughs> and let's dig a hole through the ceiling and then lower you down to Jesus because we believe he'll heal you that much. I bet the paralyzed guy was like, this sounds terrible, but what do I got to lose? I don't know what he was thinking, but that's what I'd be thinking. They do it. And they lower him down. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And how does he prove that the man's sins are forgiven? He heals his ailments, his sickness, his physical pains. Because one is a picture of the other. When a temple comes down to earth, when God and man overlap, you see no more sin, no more sickness, always obe obeying God. Now let's take it a step farther, and this really, this will break, this will break your mind. This blew my mind thinking this through, all right? So everything we've said so far, I hope, I hope you're tracking. Right now, I don't expect everyone to track with this. This is just higher level stuff. Try to hang on, all right? But we're going for it. We're going for it. That's the life of Jesus. It's a perfect picture of what the earth should be, right? What about the death and resurrection? How does the death and resurrection show what the earth should be? He's a walking picture of how earth should be. God talking to man, obedience everywhere, no more sickness, pain, sin. Right? This is the way the earth should be. And then he dies. Then he's raised from the dead. When he's dying on the cross, this is what he's doing. He's taking all of our sin onto himself, right? And he's dying under the weight of sin. And he's dead. He's destroyed. He's gone. This is a picture of what should happen to the earth. It should be destroyed. It should be done and judged, and it will be. And the world should be reborn and made new without any of the sin in it. Jesus is showing us the course of history through his death and resurrection. As the world should be, so I live my life. As the world should be destroyed and remade without any of the trappings of sin, so I am destroyed, bearing your sin, and remade in resurrection, in newness of life, and to give you a picture of what waits for you. This is glorious. Is this not what Paul means in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, when he says, all things are united in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Heaven and earth united in Jesus, and he's fixing all of it through the blood of the cross. Um, let me switch out the sin idea and put the disease idea in there, okay? Um, could you imagine if you met someone who could take all the diseases from all the people in the world. So long as they said, take my disease, he said, fine, I'll take it. And he would die with them so that you don't have them anymore. How many people would say, take my disease? 
What dummy would refuse that? Seriously. Do you see what Jesus is doing on the cross? This is unbelievable. Here's the picture. It's the picture of a pandemic that's spread throughout the whole world. And Jesus stands up and he says, I'll take your Ebola. I'll take your flu. I'll take your COVID-19. I'll take your malaria. I'll take your fever. I'll take your scoliosis. I'll take it all. I'll take everything. And the weight of it will kill me. But you know what? I'm going out with it. I'm taking it down with me because I know something. I'm going to come back and it won't. It won't. Yes, there's still sin. Yes, there's still sickness in the world. That's not my point. My point is one day there won't be. And Jesus has given us a picture of what will be. He's given us a picture of the course of history and his life and his death. It's like been watching been watching Star Wars a lot with my kids. It's like the end of episode 6. Darth Vader is watching the Emperor destroy his son, Luke Skywalker. And Darth Vader, he knows, I don't mess with the Emperor because he's going to crush me. But yet he does it. Darth Vader picks up the Emperor, gets electrocuted, his suit is fried, he kills the Emperor, and Darth Vader dies, right? That's the end of one of the greatest movies ever. And Darth Vader is saying, I'm going down with you. That's what Jesus is doing. I'm going down with you. I'm sinking on this ship with you. I'll take it all into myself and I'll bury it all in the grave. But when I raise up out of the grave, it's not coming out. That's what we see at the end of the Bible. That's how we go from point A to point C. We go through Jesus, the temple in the middle, who's showing us, I'll take all your sickness I'll take all your disease, just give it to me, so that way the sin of sickness and the sickness of sin will, won't kill you. It won't ultimately kill you. It won't separate you from God. Summary. The Bible is from beginning to end about God making the earth a temple so he can be with us. Beginning to end. That's what it's about. He wants to be with you and me. Response. How do we respond to how incredible our story is and Jesus is? Well, a um, few thoughts. One, read the Bible a lot. Read it a lot. Here's what you don't do, okay? A lot of us have more time than normal. A few of us have less time than normal. I'm not talking to you. But most of us have more time than normal because you can't go anywhere, right? So what are you going to do? Here's what you shouldn't do. Don't binge your time away on the internet. Don't do that. Read the Bible. Read a lot. They actually saw on the news that they're considering telling Netflix to slow down its streaming because they're afraid the internet might crash. When you have so many people wasting their time, binge-watching a season on Netflix that they probably already watched two times so that the internet infrastructure might break, okay, we're, we're going the wrong, doing the wrong thing here. What should you do instead? Read the Bible a lot. And here's how you read it. Slowly, repetitively, thoughtfully. 
and with a heart's desire to do what it says. You don't read the Bible just like any other book because it's deeper than any other book. All right? It's got layers you can't even imagine. You read it slowly, thoughtfully, intently. That's how you read it. You read it repetitively. How many times have you and I read Genesis 1, right? How many times? Well, I spent a lot of time reading Genesis 1 the past three weeks. I've learned new things, right? So much. So much. That's first response. There's a message about the Bible. So what should the main application be? Read the Bible. <laughs> Second thing you need to do. Um, just be in awe. Just be in awe that God wants to be with you. That. That's amazing. That's astounding, incredible, beyond belief. Throw all the adjectives and superlatives you want. That's all, that's, it's deserving of all of them. Um, God wants to be with you. He wants his home to be your home. If you had some celebrity that the whole world knew and loved, he said, you know what, can I live with you for a week? The whole world would look at you and think you are honored beyond honor, you know? That's so cool. God wants to live with us. And he actually has put the Holy Spirit in our hearts so that he is with us in a very real sense now. That's just a down payment of something far greater because he wants more than that. He wants face-to-face, -face, which is what we can't have now. And it's, it's hard, right? You struggle not having face-to-face -face contact with your buddies. You should struggle even more because you don't have it with God. You don't have it with him. You don't have it with God. But one day we will. One day our exile away from him, our social distancing away from him will be over because God hates it and he wants to be with us. And he so badly hates the social distancing, he sent his son Jesus to take every sickness on himself so that there's no more disease anywhere in the world so that way we can be with him. That's a loving God. That's incredible. So just be amazed at how much God loves us and you and what he's done for us. Be astounded. Lastly, trust in Jesus again or for the first time. Trust in Jesus again or for the first time. And we're on Facebook Live. I have no idea who's watching. But if you don't know Jesus, don't be the one guy who's got a sickness that's far worse than Ebola or COVID-19. Because that sickness will kill your body. The sickness of sin will kill your soul forever. It's far worse. It's a bajillion times worse. Don't be the one guy who's like, no, I'm good. I can handle it myself. You got like what, a 1% to 3% chance of dying from COVID-19? You got a 100% rate of dying from death, from sin. 100%. You got no chance. All right? And it's not just any death. It's life away from God forever, which is no life at all. It's death. It's eternal death. It's eternal what you don't want. All right? So what you do is you just say, Jesus, would you be willing to take my sickness? And Jesus says, that's why I came. 
That's why I'm here. We want to be with you. Not because we need you. Because you need us. God did not come to earth because he needs us. He came to earth because we need him. And he's loving. What do loving people do? They meet the needs of others. Christian, just be amazed at what Jesus is doing on the cross. I've got a pretty strong feeling you've learned some things about what Jesus is doing on the cross that you probably didn't know before. All right? So just meditate on what he's doing. Showing us a course of history, showing us a way of the way, showing us the way the world should be. Not just taking sin, but sin is considered a sickness in the Bible, and he's saying, I'll take it all. Just really sit with that this week and just be amazed at God's plan for overcoming social distancing. <laughs> just be astounded that the Bible even has something to say to this because it absolutely it absolutely does. It speaks to all situations. We have a good God. And he loves us. And his love is deep as the, as the oceans, as high as the mountains. Let's pray to him. Our Father in heaven, we love you because you first loved us. And we were sick with the sin of the devil, we were sick with death, and Jesus has come. The true temple has come. The one who shows us the way the world should be became what the world should not be so that he might show us the way that the world will be. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that we are safe in Christ Jesus. We thank you that the Bible is astounding. It's got a clear plot. How will God reunite with humans? It's got an intro. It's got a conclusion. It's got a climax. It's got a unifying theme of temple and many others. This book is a book that's far greater than all others. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. talking yeah. oh okay. i think we're alive still okay. carl's coming <laughs> thank you brian uh incredible incredible to just think that that god loved us so much that that jesus came to to temple with us and and just uh i mean when we think of all that we're trying to do we're trying to uh, cover up uh, from illness and you know I put my goggles on and my face mask on and my gown on and washing with soap and water and washing with uh, I don't know disinfectant you name it spraying stuff down and we just can't get rid of this thing and yet Jesus came and he took away our sins it's incredible and just one one fell swoop and he took his our our diseases it's incredible so just be blessed by that. That being in awe of, of Christ is incredible. Um, this Tuesday, again, uh, and, uh, and Friday, uh, would normally be community group times. And so um, we're not going to have those. But Joel 
is going to set up a, and I'll just read this to you because it might make more sense. He says, uh, we will hold a Zoom prayer meeting online this coming Saturday at 6.45 p.m. So this Saturday at 6.45 p.m., uh, Joel is going to try to do a, a, a Zoom meeting where we can meet together uh, virtually, okay, and pray together. Uh, so stay tuned for details uh, for the link. Joel will email uh, for you to attend this. So really encourage you to be, you know, a, a, a part of that. And, um, and just after we're, we're done here, uh, just, uh, just take uh, a few minutes and just, and just pray uh, for each other, uh, pray for uh, our nation and the whole world that's, uh, you know, going through this uh, pandemic with the coronavirus. And, and uh, I'm just so grateful that we have a, um, uh, you know, that we have a greater hope. We have a hope that all of this is going to, to be uh, uh, made new uh, in the new heaven and new earth and just looking forward to that time. Let's just end with a word of prayer. The Lord, we just come to you and we just thank you and praise you name uh, uh, for what you've done for us, Lord, that you uh, templed among us, Lord, that you uh, came down uh, to have relationship with us and and we were supposed to be destroyed and you took that upon yourself and uh, and that you swallowed uh, uh, sin and death and that you are victorious over the grave and that you live forever forevermore lord we uh, uh, want to bless you and honor you and uh, in this week and all that we do and all that we say help us to keep our eyes upon you in Jesus' name, amen. Love you, new creation.